0: Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning into our Monday edition of the podcast. This is our second annual Memorial Day podcast. And so we would like to honor all of those, of course, that have given their lives for the just cause, the cause of righteousness, those who have been martyred in the faith. I try to remember them on this day, the saints of God that have gone on before, followed by those that have died defending the flag, defending our country, defending freedom. And of course, that includes the freedom of religion, the freedom to practice what we do on this podcast, which is the foolishness of preaching. We thank God for them. We certainly rejoice that God has given us men willing to defend this country, willing to die for this country. What a blessing that is to know there have been those that have defended and defended the honor of this nation, and we certainly want to honor them this day as we remember them on this Memorial Day. Lord willing, by the time this podcast airs, we will be well on our way to Maine, Uh, probably spend the night in Pennsylvania, heading not up into Maine then on Monday, and so we're looking forward to the meeting. We'll be there Wednesday through Friday, 7 o'clock each night, Morgan Baptist Church of Sedgwick, Maine, Saturday, 10 o'clock, followed by a church picnic. And then on Sunday, we'll begin at 10 o'clock down in Tremont Baptist Church in Seal Cove, Maine. And if you have trouble finding Tremont Baptist Church, just drive the Southwest Loop, and eventually you'll see a little church on the side of the road, and it's the Tremont Baptist Church. And so for the Barnes the folks who make you feel welcome there, And then also Monday through Wednesday at 6.30 each night, we'll be there in Maine. We're certainly looking forward to the meetings, looking forward to what the Lord is going to do. And again, I just want to honor uh, one that was in our church, Brother Rich Forney, has gone to be with the Lord. He passed away last Saturday. Friday, we had his funeral there at the church, and we just uh, thank the Lord for Rich, thank the Lord for his testimony, and a testimony of knowing Jesus Christ. I guess in this life, when life comes to end, there's really not a whole lot else that matters but that we know Jesus Christ, the power of his resurrection. And so we certainly thank the Lord for that. We're going to be in Job 24 today. And Job 24 is one I actually put off on Friday preaching and I'm recording this on Saturday because we're going to be traveling all day tomorrow, all day Monday, and part of the day on Tuesday. And so I figured I better get this in while I can, but I'm just trying to preach this. And I've wrestled over this passage, and it's going to deliver what God has given me in this passage. I'm not going to make any dogmatic statements, but I'm going to deal with the doctrine of it. It's amazing how you hear men that or senior saints, or men that have been saved a long time, and they'll dabble around things like this and won't preach the doctrine. Again, that man called me recently, said he had an aged man in their church, man had been preaching for many, many decades, and he skirted a major issue in the doctrine of the, of the Word of God. And he just did not see it. He just didn't understand it. He didn't have the tools. He didn't have the equipment to understand that this indeed is prophetic. This is not literal, but this is a prophecy. And he could not see that. And so many today don't see that. And what we're trying to do is arm them. But so many will shut it out. They'll turn it off. They don't want to see it. They don't want to go against their upbringing standards. He's in danger. Uh, Why? Because he's being stubborn. And that's the pride that takes over men, takes takes over their lives. I've seen that in churches. This is the way we do. This is what we do. And I've seen that in some of the old order communities and others. And I don't want to be that way. And I certainly hope you're not that way. So we take a fresh look at the Word of God. And you say, well, I didn't learn that in Bible college. Well, you may not have. And I wouldn't be too surprised But be willing to learn, be willing to see things through the eyes of what God has given us, the light that he has given us. We are trying to awaken some in this day and let them see there's more to the word of God than just going to heaven, than just going soul winning, than just serving God. And that's the steady diet that most have. It's been my complaint for many, many years in ministry. The steady diet of why don't you serve God enough? Why don't you go soul winning? You need to live for God. We're all going to heaven, so let's just do something. And uh, that's all they hear. And just as, and so folks feel guilted into it. Finally, they get frustrated. They feel bad because they didn't do what they're supposed to do. And so what do they do? They go find another church. And what do they do at that church? All of a sudden, they find a new zeal to go out of visitation again. Last lasts about three or four years. Uh, they serve God. Somebody crosses them wrong they go to another church what do they do there they go soul winning they go on visitation they serve god a little bit and then all of a sudden after 3 or 4 years that gets all and it just it's a cycle that goes on and on there's no end to it because there's no doctrine there's no strength of doctrine Why can't we learn from those errors? Why can't we learn from that mistake? Why can't we learn from the folly of modern practice of fundamentalism and understand that the things of God are contained in the word of God, not in the actions of the people of God, but in the word of God? You want to know Jesus Christ, you don't get to know him going soul winning. You get to know him when you read his book. Well, I probably said enough about that right now. So let's go to Job 24. And Job chapter 24 he says, why seeing times not hidden from the Almighty, do they know him, not see his days? And that's the question he's asking. And verse two, he says, some remove the landmarks. They violently take away flocks and feed thereof. Now, he makes a transition here as Job begins to speak. He asks a legitimate question, a very severe question. But it's the reality of where you and I, even today, stand, the things we wrestle with. But Job, again, is speaking. Job is prophesying. What Job is going to prophesy here is about that wicked. He's going to talk about those in a day which is to come. I don't believe this is Job's day. I believe this is down the road. This is when children will turn against their parents. This is when parents will turn against their children. This is when... People that name the name of Christ are going to turn against those uh, that are hiding in the hills and and they're out there uh, hiding, uh, pleading for their lives, fleeing from wrath. I believe this is the day in which he speaks. For he says in verse three, they drive away the ass of the fatherless. They take the widow's ox for a pledge. Now, of course, we understand that pure religion does not do that, but wicked men do that. And therefore they take anything they can. Why? That love of money, that root of all evil. They turn the needy out of the way, the poor of the earth hide themselves together. And again, so those in wealth, those with riches, are going to come to power. They are going to serve that man of sin. He's going to promise them riches beyond their wildest imagination, and many of them he will provide it for. He's done that day in which we live. He's done that for, there are rich men today. They are under the control of Satan. They are uh, minions, if you will, the prince of the power of the air. They do exactly what he wants them to do. It's that spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, and therefore they've come to power. I remember years ago, and it's one of those controversial things, and some people would argue even in church that argue about that. but when I was a boy uh they would do lessons and they'd listen to back masking and it was very real by the way. Uh, when you listen to backmasking, they're calling Satan Lord, playing backwards on a record. I don't think that impacts my subconscious. That sounds reasonable, but I don't think it's a subconscious. I don't think my subconscious can understand things backward because my heart can't relate to that. That's just my personal take on that. Go ahead and listen to your backmasking if you want to. But at the same time, it's there for a purpose. It's letting folks know, if you listen to this, hey, this is exactly what they're singing about. Why? Because Satan has given them that power. So many celebrities talk about selling their soul. They made a deal with the devil. I mean, one of the rock groups I listened to as a teenager in rebellion, absolute wickedness in my heart. They came out and publicly said, when we were young, we sold our souls to the devil. And that's nothing new. That's nothing uh, crazy that there's folks in lodges that do that. They sell their soul to the devil. They make a deal with the devil. And yet they don't understand. Satan is a great deceiver. It's going to damn them. They will perish. They will die in their iniquity. There are people that worship Satan. Why? They've made a deal with the devil. And he didn't go down to Georgia and make the deal. though I'm sure Georgia is full of people like that. But at the same time, they've gone. They've dealt with the devil. They have. They have considered these things, and he's made promises to them. As a deceiver, a lot of times they don't know it's him. Sure, Satan worshipers say they worship. I don't even think they know who they're worshiping. They pretend like they do. They act like they do. There are some, no doubt, that do. But most of them are just naive young teenagers, young people. I've seen them wearing pentagrams and try to put curses on preachers and hexes on preachers. And I've had witches stand their porch and try to hex me and try to curse me and abracadabra me and. And I can tell stories of people that have confronted me on the streets, and you realize they're just devils. And they began to moan and to screech and to growl. And had a man one day, I was street preaching by myself, which is not a wise thing to do, but I felt like the Lord impressed me to stop my car, get out in the square in the middle of winter, and stand and preach. And had a man circling me like a rabid dog, growling at me. And while I'm preaching people in the upstairs windows, some seven, eight stories up in an apartment, screaming out the windows, cursing me out the windows, I realize that this is not a place of uh, where I'm friendly. This is not a place where I'm amongst friends. This certainly isn't the fellowship of the brethren. But why do people act like that? Because they're under control? of something way stronger than them, someone way stronger than them. They've rejected God. They've rejected the things of God. And therefore, that power is given to them. And it is the power of Satan, is the power that he gives. And yet so many of them live in poverty. He's deceived them and they live in poverty. They're addicts and drunkards and atheists and deniers of God and everything else. And Satan has absolutely denied them and rejected them and mocked them. And yet they still serve him. Why? They're ignorant. They do it ignorantly. The Apostle Paul said when he was putting the the Christians in prison and he was was going and taking them and capturing them and going to their preaching place, he did it ignorantly in unbelief. There are some out there like that today, but most have just bargained with the devil. They've made that deal. So it's going to be with that man of sin. He's going to promise people the world, and they're going to bargain with him. And he's going to make some of them extraordinarily rich, and they're going to do things that— are absolutely destructive to mankind and to themselves and to others. And I believe that's the, the foray of what he's leading us into here. In verse 6, they reap everyone his corn in the field, and they gather the vintage of the wicked. They cause the naked to lodge without clothing, that they have no covering in the cold. Why would they do that? Because they won't bow down. They will not bow the knee to him. Apostle Paul talked about making this, his flight before winter. Why? Because if he gets caught, they're going to abuse a man. They're going to take him. They're going to take his coat. They're going to steal everything he has. They're going to lock him in prison in the middle of winter. It's a brutal thing. It's an awful thing. Yet that was done to so many. It was done to Bunyan. It was done to others. And it's not going to change. It's going to be that way through the ages until Jesus Christ comes and puts his feet on this earth. It's going to be that way. That man of sin is a great deceiver. He's a liar. He deceives men. How does he deceive them? He appears as an angel of light. Satan has done that today. He's appeared as angels. That's what Job was exposing here. This is far more than just people doing wrong and people shoplifting and people even murdering in the streets. No, they, they do this because it's all power. The reason there's homeless people in America is there are those in power that would have them to be homeless. Homelessness is big money. Why? Because they own the buildings where the government rents them for shelter. They have buildings they buy for dirt cheap in the ghetto, former hotels and former businesses. Sometimes the state opens them. Usually the state auctions them off. They get them cheap. Then the state rents them back as homeless shelters. We saw that in Baltimore more than one time. And somebody's getting rich off of the homeless. And it's a terrible tragedy. But yet, that's the way things are. Why? Because men are absolutely corrupted by power, corrupted by money, under the control of Satan. In that day of the man of sin, that day when he comes, and not only is he going to leave folks naked and destitute, but they're going to have to bow the knee to him. They are going to have to take that mark in their foreheads. If they do not take that mark in their foreheads, they will not eat. They will starve to death. Their children will starve to death. And verse 8 says, they are wet with the showers of the mountains and embrace the rock for want of a shelter they have no place to hide there's nowhere to go and let me say this you say well i would be strong enough that you know if it was me and i and and, and i had to take that mark in my forehead i wouldn't take it well it's an easy thing to say especially for those that aren't going to be there uh, but it's an easy thing to say for a lost man even until he sees his children starving he sees his children absolutely their bones showing screaming crying all night long It's no different than third world countries. It's going to be far worse than the third world country. At least in third world countries, there is some hope. But in those days of famine, those mothers would lay their children down. And those children screaming for a want of food and screaming for hunger. They're being starved. The early church was that way. The early church was hiding in the hills. They were in the caves, literally scraping the lichens off the wall of caves and trying to cook them in soup just so they could survive, just so their children could survive. Because if they made any kind of smoke outside the cave or got seen outside the caves and they'd be deep in these caves, what would happen to them? They'd be killed. And so they were hiding out. They were were burying themselves deep in the mountains, getting away from the oppressor. And so it's going to be in that day. And people say, Oh, I wouldn't take that number in my forehead. Yet we know, according to scripture, they are going to take that number in their forehead. And the reason why is they don't believe God now about, about salvation. They don't believe God now about his dear son. Why would they believe God about a number in their forehead? God's going to send strong delusions. They're going to believe a lie. So what are they going to do? Take a number in their forehead 666. Uh, the mark of the beast is not inoculations, and it's not cell phones, and it's not the internet. And it's not the electrical grid. The mark of the beast is this. It is three numbers. It is 666. And it's going to be written in their foreheads. It's going to be on their foreheads. Why? Because they are not going to be able to buy and sell without that. Don't be deceived. It is nothing more than that. That's exactly what it is. That strong delusion that, that God sends, men are going to believe anything. That want to survive is going to be stronger than anything else they've ever heard in Sunday school. Or anything else they read in a post-tribulation track that are being written or a post-rapture track that people leave, I found them in restrooms different times. If you are reading this and you suddenly notice people missing, no, God's going to send them a strong delusion. How foolish is that? That's just denying the Bible. They're going to believe a lie. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be the alien invasion. I realize that. That's why they talk about aliens so much is because... Because when we leave, they may blame aliens. I don't know what delusions God's going to send them. I think that's contrived by Satan because he doesn't know what God's going to do, but they're going to be deceived. They're going to be wicked. But those who do not take the mark is what he's looking at here. They're hiding in the mountains. They're begging. Oh, they're begging for anything. They're begging for food, begging for survival. They're begging. Finally, men begin to cry out that the rocks would fall on them. They can't even die. It's so awful. He said, they pluck the fatherless from the breast and take a pledge of the poor. They cause them to go naked without clothing. They take away the sheaf from the hungry, which make oil within their walls and tread their wine presses and suffer thirst. Why would they do that? To oppress men. They do that today. You read about these countries. And by the way, the reason third world countries are third world countries is because they have denied the faith. They have denied the existence of Jesus Christ. They denied the existence of the word of God. They do not operate on a moral code that the very basis bones of religion can provide. They've been pagan. They've trusted their gods. They have little gods of stone, of gold, of ivory, of silver, and they put them in their shops and they wear them on their necks and they go to the temple and worship those gods and those gods have destroyed them. I and mean, it could just be that God is doing that. And the reason God's doing this, they might see the true and living God. But yet as their children are being sacrificed to idols, as their children are dying, as their children are being offered, they do not see God. They do not see God. And listen, don't have pity on a third world country that's rejected God. God's not going to have pity on them. Don't take mercy upon them when they've rejected Jesus Christ and they're killing their children. They're aborting their children. The China rule of one male child and they abort the girl child. God's not going to have mercy on those nations. But I watch bleeding hearts just dump money down the drain. And they send money to feed those countries and feed those nations. And all they do is feed the rich and they feed those in power. They keep religion there to stifle the people. What an awful thing. That's what Job is speaking of. I believe that's what he's prophesying of. It could be the day in which we live today. But how much worse is it going to be in those last days? I'm going to stop there. We'll plug right in here tomorrow for the rest of this upbeat and positive chapter. There's a lost soul who started up the sinning. are singing the glory, a song of the